0: The following is a presentation of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Powered by Learfield. Welcome to Inside Eagle Nation, your official podcast for Georgia Southern Athletics.
1: Patrice's debut continues to impress. Four touchdown passes has just tied a Georgia Southern school record. It is 44-7.
0: Inside Eagle Nation is brought to you by Morris Bank. It pays to bank blue. Bud Light. Responsibility has its rewards. Enjoy responsibly. And by Savannah Hilton Head International
1: Airport. Shot fake to get around Anderson. The lane. There's another. Highlight reel. Doug. Check the rim check the bolt he almost ripped it off the backboard it's a game-by-game thing with Kamari Brown
0: Eagles fans this is your all-access pass to all things true blue it's time to take you inside Eagle Nation and as coach Russell will say you ain't seen nothing yet and now here's your host
1: the voice of the Eagles Danny Reed Eagle Nation, it's great to see you again. Welcome into this week's edition of the Inside Eagle Nation podcast. Overlap season in full swing and what a successful weekend it was for Georgia Southern Athletics. We will cover all that in just a couple of moments and have this week's feature interview in honor of Black History Month with former Georgia Southern men's basketball standout Isaiah Crawley. Starting it off this week with Georgia Southern Women's Golf, which picked up the team victory at the Reynolds Lake Oconee Invitational at Great Waters over in Edenton over the weekend. Three individuals coming in the top 12th, with Regina Placencia finishing 6th, Abby Newton in 10th, and Haley Yerksa tying for 12th. The team now prepares for the Ford Invitational this coming Saturday in Richmond Hill at the Ford Field and River Golf Club an event that's going to be hosted by Yale. For men's golf, individual honor for Mason Williams as he was named Sunbelt Conference Men's Golfer over the week after tying for first at the Gator Invitational the week before. His ninth career top five finish. Now for the men, they get set for the Colleton River Collegiate hosted by Michigan State in South Carolina coming up next weekend. But for Mason and the team, the first couple of events have been a tremendous start to the spring season with a victory in the Sharky and coming in second down in Gainesville for the second best finish in the 22 years they have competed in the event. Georgia Southern Swimming and Diving finished up its spring season at the CCSA Championships as part of a four-day event in Knoxville. Two school records were broken for Allison Sweeney's crew, and that was actually done by the same person. Madeline Wendland set the school record in the 200-meter fly and then rebroke her own school record in the finals, finishing seventh overall in the event. 31 season bests were recorded, eight top five standards in school history were set, and 26 personal bests were registered. Great stuff in the spring from Georgia Southern swimming and diving. Women's Rifle finished up the regular season with the NCAA qualifier over at the Shooting Sports Education Center against nationally ranked North Georgia, and the Eagles picked up a narrow victory to head into SoCon Championships on March 4th and 5th down in Charleston, Addie Burrow taking first place in the aggregate and the small bore. We already mentioned that Georgia Southern rounded out the regular season with 16 consecutive Southern Conference victories. Now they put their will to the test in Charleston next weekend, looking for their second straight league title. Georgia Southern softball started its season the weekend before, dropping four games as part of the Easton leadoff classic in Tuscaloosa, but back home to start an 11-game homestand, the first five of which bash at the borough over the weekend. Went 5-0, did Sharon Perkins' squad. Day one on Friday, defeating Long Island 10-6 to on the strength of a three-run home run from Emily Greek and then a 14-2 run rule victory over Bryant that occurred in five innings. A nine-run, 12-batter bottom of the fourth did the trick. Day two on Saturday featured a pair of matchups, another victory over Bryant by a 5-2 final, and then a dramatic 13-inning victory over Radford by a 4-3 final, the first of two straight walk-off victories. We'll get to that more in just a second. Starting pitcher Bailey Holland went the distance, tossing all 13 innings, including scoreless softball from the eighth through the 12th before the international tiebreaker was instituted for the 13th inning. Radford did get the go-ahead run to take a 3-2 lead, but in the bottom half Georgia Southern scored twice including Emma Davis's walk-off RBI single finishing a 4-for-6 contest. All the Eagles needed to do was defeat Long Island to finish up a perfect weekend. It was another walk-off, in extra innings one more time. But the Eagles getting the victory 4-3 to as Deja Mills hit the game-winning two-out RBI single to do the job. This week, Georgia Southern hosts South Carolina on Wednesday over at Eagle Field. First matchup between the Eagles and the Gamecocks since 2013. That is a 6 p.m. first pitch between Georgia Southern and the University of South Carolina. Georgia Southern baseball began the 2023 season at J.I. Clement Stadium with a three-game series against West Virginia. A highly touted squad led by preseason Sunbelt Player of the Year Noah Ledford and preseason All-League selections Jesse Sherrill and Jared Brown. It got off to a good start taking two out of three from the Big 12 foe, including an opening night 4-3 to triumph, which saw a three-run rally in the Bottom of the seventh inning, Sheryl's bunt single with the bases loaded cut a deficit to three to two, and then Ledford with a bases loaded, full count, two out, two run single through the left side, providing the game winner. Jalen Payton picking up the save as the Eagles improved to one and zero. Georgia Southern also earned the game two victory, six to two over West Virginia in front of a sellout crowd of three thousand one hundred thirty three, the sixth biggest crowd in the history of JI Clement Stadium. Eagles scoring five of those six runs between the fifth and sixth innings, and Jay Thompson came in with a four-run lead and two outs in the ninth, slamming the door with the bases loaded, helping Georgia Southern earn an opportunity to sweep the Mountaineers. But Sunday was largely West Virginia's game as the Mountaineers hit a pair of three-run home runs, had a pair of four-run innings as well as part of a 13-4 victory to salvage the finale and send Georgia Southern to a 2-1 and opening weekend. For the three games, J.I. Clements Stadium saw 8,617 click through the turnstiles, the second biggest three-game series crowd in the history of the ballpark. Eagle baseball getting set for a four-game week starting tonight with a large in-state battle against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Remember, it was at J.I. Clements last February that Georgia Southern ended that 11-game losing streak against Georgia Tech with a 10-6 final score thanks to three RBIs by Noah Ledford. Six o'clock, the first pitch at J.I. will be on the air at 5.30 with the Cutwater Spirits on deck. Circle and then this weekend, Friday through Sunday, a three game series against East Tennessee State. 4 o'clock on Friday, 2 o'clock on Saturday, and 1 o'clock. On Sunday, Georgia Southern women's basketball continued to stay hot with a pair of victories over the weekend to round out their home schedule, taking down Marshall 63-61 on Thursday. Out-rebounding the Thundering Herd 47-26. Yet another double-double for Taryn Ward, 19 points, 14 rebounds. Eden Johnson continued her solid play with 10.7 boards and three blocked shots. The Eagles then took down Coastal Carolina on Senior Day 75 66 on Saturday. Just eight turnovers committed the entire game as seniors Leandrea Gillis, Janiah Love Hill, Andreana Rister, and Taya Gibson were all honored. And it was fitting for two of them because Janiah Love Hill finished with a team high 16 points, also dished out four assists, and Leandrea Gillis hit five of six from three point territory, recording 15 points as Georgia Southern finished 10-4 and four at Hanner this season. Overall record of 18-7, and 10-6 in conference play with victories in five of the last six games. Not only does that set a Georgia Southern women's basketball school record for Sunbelt Conference victories in one season, but the team finds itself in sixth place only one game out of a three-way tie for third. They do have to end the season with two on the road, but winnable matchups on Wednesday at South Alabama and Friday to close things out against Georgia State. And for Georgia Southern men's basketball, the longest road trip of the year taking place over last weekend. Eagles trying to snap their five-game skid away from Hanner Fieldhouse, and they were in position to do so on Thursday night in Huntington against the upstart Marshall Thundering Herd. Eagles were the better team for 38 and a half minutes, but Marshall erased an 11-point deficit in the final 90 seconds as Georgia Southern had four players foul out, another get hurt, and were without Kate and Archie because of illness. Marshall gets the game winner with 14 seconds left in an 84-83 victory inside the Cam Henderson Center. From there, Georgia Southern spent an entire Friday traveling down to Hattiesburg, Mississippi for a Saturday afternoon tilt against first-place Southern Miss. The Golden Eagles on their senior day improved to 15-0 at home in a 73-62 final. They outscored Georgia Southern 7-0 to close out the first half and then put together a 10-0 run early in the second half to effectively put the game out of reach. Head coach Brian Berg joined us on the fourth locker room wrap up after the Southern Miss lost to recap what was a long and trying road trip as the Eagles look ahead to their final two home games.
2: I just think that uh, you look back at the overall road trip might have taken a toll on us I took complete responsibility for the Marshall game then coming down here I thought our guys fought it was a tough road trip uh, I thought we played it all the way to the bone especially with some adversity with Strickland being injured and uh, Archie coming off of the flu these guys competed
1: and uh, we're going to build on that Especially in the first half, something we noticed was how active the hands were. Southern Miss tried to create some opportunities when you went to the 2-3 zone, but the hands seemed to be really active, and you were really on the basketball, forcing them into nine first-half turnovers.
2: Yeah, we were able to force a lot of turnovers. Uh, I think we had a lot of turnovers and just some mistakes early in the game that really hurt us. I think it was seven in the first half that we ended up turning the ball over. But they really hurt us on the offensive glass first half. I think it was eight offensive rebounds. And then I thought we missed a lot of easy shots right around the rim. And Had some easy looks that you know, maybe we just didn't finish off two feet or going through a guy's chest.
1: And those really hurt, especially playing in games like this on the road. The front court combination of Andre Saversoff, Carlos Curry, and Johnny McFadden combines for 30 points. Carlos had a team i seven rebounds. Andre had six more. Johnny tried to play through some foul trouble there down the stretch. But despite all of the issues on the inside, your three front court guys—it seemed like they were fairly consistent this game.
2: I thought they were active. Uh, you know, just missing some some. Some easy shots right around the room, and then uh, give credit to Southern Miss. They're like a good ball club. Both teams that we played this on this road trip are really good ball club. Coach Ladner does a good job.
1: Going back home for the final two, you've got Coastal on Wednesday, Appalachian State on Friday for senior night. This was already going to be challenging with the length that you had between these two teams, but having a day less with a trip going back home you have to crunch things down to prepare for Coastal Carolina since it's been a long time, or how do you handle the week getting ready for those last two home games? We'll
2: bust nine hours today. We'll get home probably around 1 a.m., get a chance to get some rest, go right back at it on Monday. Uh, talk to the team after the game. I think this is the most dangerous group in the Belt Conference. I genuinely believe that. Talk to the team about it. We need to play really good basketball these last two games at home and then be ready to go into that conference tournament. We've shown at glimpses that we can play with and beat anyone in this league. We just need to be able to string those those long stretches in the games together to be able to play the best basketball. But we need to really play well at home against... Coastal Carolina, as well as at, it's a great opportunity for us to be able to prepare this week.
1: The Eagles are now 14 and 15 through their 29 games, seven and nine in conference play, is tied for ninth with ULM. But at the moment, ULM would have the tiebreaker over the Eagles because of that individual victory at Hanner back in January. So Georgia Southern is technically in tenth place, one game up on the bottom four. As we talked about before, that matters because the bottom four seeds, 11 through 14, have to play in what in essence is a preliminary round on Tuesday, February. February. February 28th at the conference tournament at the Pensacola Bay Center in Pensacola, Florida. If Georgia Southern can stay in the top 10, they wouldn't have to worry about competition until Thursday, which in essence is the second round. But the Eagles have two home games to wrap things up. Wednesday night against Coastal Carolina for a 7 p.m. tip. That'll be Black History Night at hand or Fieldhouse. And then Senior Night on Friday versus Appalachian State. That again is a 7 p.m. tip. Shawna Clears and Mountaineers in town for the final two home games, Wednesday and Friday, Versus Georgia Southern men's basketball. We talked about this week's Black History Month interview with Isaiah Crawley. That's coming up when we return from this time out on this week's episode of Inside Eagle Nation.
0: In 2022, Georgia Southern baseball took the next step. They found a way.
1: For the first time since 1979, Georgia Southern has taken a series on the road from a top-10 team.
0: 41 victories and hosting an NCAA regional for the first time in program history. Get your tickets now for the 2023 season. 30 home games at J.I. Clements. Call 1-800-GSU-WINS or visit gseagles.com slash tickets. Georgia Southern
1: Men's Basketball is hunting for its first Sun Belt Conference Championship. In Eagle Nation, we need you to pack Hanner Fieldhouse. The Eagles finish the home schedule on Wednesday, February 22nd against Coastal Carolina at 7 o'clock for Black History Night and Friday, February 24th against Appalachian State at 7 o'clock for Senior Night. For tickets, call 1-800-GSU-WINS or order online at gseagles.com slash tickets. Georgia Southern Basketball, get your tickets now. Eagle Nation, it's a pleasure of ours to not only watch our student-athletes when they're at Georgia Southern, but it's even better to see what they do when they leave Statesboro, especially when they turn pro. We have the pleasure now to speak with a third-year pro overseas. Georgia Southern basketball alum Isaiah Crawley is with us, started out in Germany, now coming to us about 5,000 miles away over in Finland. Crawley, great to see you, bud. Hope you're doing well.
3: Yes, sir. Denny Reed, it's always good to talk to you, my boy.
1: How did the opportunity to play in Germany come up in 2020?
3: I remember exactly where I was at. Uh, I was at my sister's house, and I got a call. Well, my agent told me somebody was going to be calling me maybe like the next day. I got a call at like 9.30 that morning, answered it, and the head coach called me. We were just talking, you know. Of course, it sounded good, so came up with a deal. He got back with me, and I took the opportunity. And plus, it was COVID season, so it was, you know, the market was pretty tough anyway. It would have been pretty risky to, you know, turn down that offer, so I took it.
1: How odd was it to change your life in the midst of a worldwide pandemic?
3: Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say it really just changed. You know, it was, of course, different not being at home, but being by myself really wasn't a big change. So it was it was different, of course. But I mean, anyway, it really wasn't that that hard.
1: Spending a couple of years in Germany, you had a chance to participate for a league championship. We'll get to your time in Finland, but to carry the success you had starting at junior college to Statesboro and then professionally, how did you notice that all come together?
3: Now that I've been through everything, it kind of came pretty fast, to be honest. But, like, during it, it was a lot of ups and downs, but that's how it goes. But, I mean, I never thought that I'd be played for that championship. Even at the beginning of that season, we nobody probably thought we were, you know, even going to make it that far. And it was kind of, like, weird that when we lost in the championship, nobody was angry, nobody was sad. We, everybody was just happy that we made it because that was the best that that club had done ever. They had never made it to the playoffs or even the championship. So, I mean, everybody was just proud that we made it there. And that was a good feeling.
1: How would you describe being a professional athlete?
3: It hurts every day. (laughs) It hurts every day. But, I mean, it's fun. It's different. It's a good experience. You get to see different places, different people, different cultures. It's a great experience. But it definitely hurts.
1: You were scoring about 14, 15 points a game during your two years in Germany. This your first year in Finland, you're up around 16 points per game. Get a chance to catch some of the highlights. I love the dunks. I love the threes. We'll get to that part of your game. But to go to a new place like Finland, how has it been, one, getting adjusted to going overseas, period, but then moving from Germany to Finland, what are some of the things you've had to account for? The hardest
3: thing is probably the snow and, like, no sun so like the snow doesn't just like you know one day the sun might come up and just melt all the snow away no it's the sun comes up for maybe like 10 minutes at most like right now it's raining it's it's what like 5 30 it's five o'clock and it's pitch black outside and it's raining so that's probably the the biggest change like my coaches in in germany both of them were finished so i was kind of already hip to the culture and like some of the language anyway so That wasn't much of a a difference. But, yeah, definitely no sun and and snow is killing me every day. I hate it. It's killing me. You mean it
1: wasn't like this in Ripley, Tennessee?
3: No. I mean, the weather is pretty much the same, but it's just (laughs) constant snow. Like, in Ripley, you never know what you're going to get. You might wake up with snow, and then by 12 o'clock, it'll be gone because the sun came out.
1: Well, I know the two years you spent in Statesboro, it may have snowed twice, so we didn't need to keep that from you.
3: Maybe twice. I don't, I'm not even sure if it if it ever if it ever ever To be honest,
1: getting to experience a new culture, cuisine. I don't know how much time you have outside of playing and being on the court, but what about that part of your life? Just being able to experience something totally different.
3: Uh yeah, it'd be some days where I, my body feels good, and I'll just like wake up and go for a walk. Like over here, you rarely ever just see people in the house. Like it's, somebody's always walking or on a bike or something like that, and. That's different too, because back at home, everybody drives. You rarely see somebody walking or or going for a run or riding a bike. Really, you never you never see people riding bikes anymore. But over here, you, that's all you see. Like it's always somebody going for a jog, like or somebody walking, somebody um riding a bike. And where I'm at right now is a, a small city. Like it's like literally like two streets. Like you can never get lost. So, like I literally go for a walk and end up back at home, and I don't even know how I got back home. <laughs> so. Yeah, I just – and plus, I'm a country boy, so I like I like being outside anyway.
1: Outside of all the snow, does it feel like Statesboro at
3: all? Statesboro is huge compared to this. <laughs>
1: okay. There will be huge. a lot of Statesboro natives that are happy to hear that.
3: Huge. <laughs> there's literally two streets. Like, there's no way that you get lost.
1: All right, I want to go back to your time spent with Georgia Southern, the 2018 and 2019 seasons, and I remember – how excited the staff was to get you because they weren't sure one that you would actually come here, but two, how good you actually were. And you ended up scoring nearly 800 points during those two years, averaged about six rebounds per game. When you got here, what was the first feeling you had
3: readiness? Probably I was just ready because of those two years in Juco were so tough. And I was just ready to get out of there and just happy to, you know, be somewhere different. And so I was just so ready for the season start that I had heard about, you know, the fans and the hooligans and all those. Uh, it was just crazy. Like, being from where I'm from, it was, you know, hard to see the future, I guess you can say. Once I got there, I was just, you know, I was just, I just couldn't fathom, you know. It was just different, I guess. I was just ready.
1: The one thing that popped out right away was the athleticism. And anybody that saw you play, whether it was practice or games, you could always jump. And the first time I asked you about your vertical, without hesitation, without any kind of thought, 45 inches. And I'd never met anybody that could jump that high. So who measured that? And how do you know that's 45 inches?
3: I definitely don't know. But I'm assuming. <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> I definitely don't know. But at Georgia Southern, I can pretty much confirm that it was at least 44, 43 at least. That was my peak. Jumping height at at Georgia 7. I had never jumped that high in my life those two years.
0: Hello, welcome to another bank. Please just say what you need help with.
3: Check my balance.
0: I heard pay a bill. Is that correct?
1: When you bank at Morris Bank, you won't be greeted with an automated response system or wonder if you're just another account number, because real relationships make community banking better. Morris Bank and Georgia Southern Football were built on the same blue-collar mentality, and at Morris Bank, blue isn't just a part of our ad campaign. It's a part of our DNA. Morris Bank is proud to be the season-presenting sponsor of Georgia Southern Football. Bleed blue, bank blue. Morris Bank, member FDIC. One thing that we found out through conversations and of course you were teammates with Quan Jackson. And he shared this as well. The hand that you played with, you played left-handed, but you're actually a dominant right-hander. Quan played right-handed, but he's a dominant lefty. And I know LeBron and Tua, they all both play with their off hand. So how did you come to use the left hand to shoot and play
3: basketball the way that you do? I ain't going to lie to you. I have no clue. I don't even know at what age I even started using my left hand like that, to be honest. But, I mean, I could shoot with both hands, but I don't know why I favored my left so much, to be honest. It just happened, I guess.
1: There's a lot of memories that I think of with you, the The dunk against Auburn to open the 2019 season. Really, the two dunks against Auburn to open that season. The dunk at Hanner against Arkansas State. Two nights later, the dunk against Little Rock. You make it three straight threes against Troy, forcing them right. to call a timeout on the first half of that game. But to be a guy that could do just as much outside as inside, how did you develop the whole game?
3: I mean, I always had it. In high school, I was more just a back-to-the-basket big, to be honest. So I never really shot jumpers. Uh, My freshman year of college, my coach made me start playing on the perimeter. And by my sophomore season, I was basically a perimeter player that could do inside and out. And then going into Georgia Southern, they – kept working on my jumper and my handle so throughout all the years it just kept getting better and better it was just me being better I feel like I always had it I just never used it and then coaches forced me to use it and then I just you know it just fell into it
1: you were part of a couple of 20 win seasons but you're always going to have the distinction of being part of the team that never finished their season when COVID hit in 2020 I'll never forget those two victories at Georgia State, especially the one in the quarterfinals of that year's tournament. You had 16 rebounds that night, nine offensive boards, and it felt like you were about to put the team on your back on the way to New Orleans for the semifinals, and then it all just goes away because of COVID. How long did it take you to get over that?
3: I don't think I have, to be honest. (laughs) I'm going to probably tell my kids about that. I still think about it to this day. When we played Kwan. The first time over here uh, during the preseason, we was talking about it at half court. We we still can't believe that it happened. It just threw everything away so fast and there was nothing like that we could do about it. That's something you really can't just get over, to be honest, especially the way that we were we were playing together at the time. It's kind of hard to just let let something like that go.
1: I think I told, I've had a lot of conversations with former assistant Ben Betts about that. That's about as fun of a three week stretch as I've had with any team that I've ever covered because it really felt like you guys were on the verge of something and everybody had known that Georgia Southern hadn't been to the NCAA tournament in close to three decades. But do you remember back to the late stages of that year? Was there a point where you felt that it
3: started to click? I really can't even, you know, remember back like the certain games. But I just know, like, after that Georgia State game, it was like we we, we really got a chance to, you know, go to the, the tournament and really do something big, to be honest. Like, even, even before that game, I'm pretty sure we had a conversation about it. But I really can't remember, like, a certain point, you know, you know, a turning point or whatever. But it was just a feeling, especially during the game and right after that game. And then you just wake up to, like, news like that. It's kind of... <laughs> It's kind of messed up. But. I can
1: remember the Georgia State game, the tournament game, the on-campus game where they had cut off attendance in the upper level on the other side. And we thought part of it was because it was such a short turnaround, but then it may have had a little bit to do with the protocols that were about to be put in place. And then win the game dominant fashion, get back to the hotel, wake up the next day, and then put on ESPN and watch – league by league by league, cancel their tournaments, and then eventually March Madness is done. And then to get the text from the coaching staff that, well, pack up the bus, we're heading back to State for the season's over. What were you guys talking about when we were all trying to deal with something that we had not seen as a world
3: for a century? To be honest, we was in the um, the little meeting room, and we was just, uh, you know, looking at the bottom of the TV, really just hoping that the Sun Belt Conference wasn't included in, in all the conferences they were getting canceled and stuff. We was confused also. Like, we really didn't know what was going on. And it was just all happening so fast. And then I think, I don't know who came in and told us, but we had a meeting today the and then they told us that the season was over and that we had to go home. And basically, I think spring break was right after that, if I'm not mistaken. They were saying we were going to figure out what happened. And we went home for, I think we had those two weeks off. And then we got the email that the classes were going to be online. and. Yeah, It was just a lot. I mean, everybody went home. And I think, I think most of us came back uh, like right after spring break. I know I did for sure. Cause I knew I wouldn't get no work done at home in Ripley. So I, <laughs> so I came back to, you know, finish school or whatever. It was just a crazy time that nobody knew what was going on as a whole. Like it was, yeah, it was crazy.
1: When did it hit you that your career was over?
3: Well, really right after they told us we were going home, to be honest, once, once we started looking into a, like actually what was going on and like how deep COVID actually re- was was probably when I actually realized how bad it was. And I know my agent like kept in touch, like during the whole period right after um, the season was over and stuff. And he was like explaining Cause he was, he's from over here uh, in Europe. So he was like explaining how bad it was over here. And just like everybody saying like what they had to say and stuff was shocking. That's probably when, I realize I'm not playing at Georgia Southern no more.
1: That part of your life may be looked at as an unfinished chapter, but considering the amount of success that you've had, both personally and professionally, these last couple of years, how much do you still appreciate the opportunity that Georgia Southern gave you?
3: To the utmost. Still think about everybody that I played with in those two years. I still talk to mainly everybody, to be honest. Like, even the coaches. I think Betts called me, like, last year. And I was like, is this Coach Betts calling me? (laughs) I after that he had we had a good talk Talked to Kremins every now and then everybody's still family like that's a family that I'll never forget in those two years ever.
1: What else did you and Quan talk about when you saw him earlier this year?
3: Uh, that we were gonna beat him. <laughs> 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 no, we just caught up a little bit, talked about a couple of memories. You know, uh, I think yeah during the preseason they stayed in the uh, hotel here, and I went over to the hotel and you know we talked for a couple of hours, just reminiscing really. All right, what's next for you? I I just go with the flow, man. I take it day by day. I don't never really just peep into the future. I just let God do what he do, take it day by day, and we see what Mm -hmm. happens.
1: It's great to get a chance to catch up with you. I know how much that it hurts you guys that you didn't have a chance to finish things in 2020, but really happy that you're having the success that you've had and continued success wherever this game takes you, and we will
3: definitely do this again, my man. Yes, sir. I will see you sometime in 2023 when I get home.
0: It's time to pack your bags, because Savannah Hilton Head International offers nonstop flights to a variety of major cities, including Denver, Miami, New York City, Washington, D.C., Cincinnati, Cleveland, and many more. Eight airlines, 26 nonstop destinations. Savannah Hilton Head International, the official airport of Georgia Southern Athletics. See where the airport can take you at flysav.com when the game goes into overtime. But the game goes into overtime. The choice to enjoy is easy. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. Order Bud Light online today. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Bud Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri
1: greatly appreciate isaiah crawley's time this week joining us all the way from finland talking about his career in professional basketball and just how much he meant to eagle nation despite only spending two years in statesboro we'll be talking with Darrell baker next week former georgia southern baseball standout to round out our interviews for black history month a reminder for the rest of this week tonight at j.i clement stadium it's georgia southern versus georgia tech 5 30 airtime for a 6 p.m first pitch between the eagles and the yellow jackets wednesday night at hanner Fieldhouse, it begins the final homestand of the regular season 7 p.m. tip-off between Georgia Southern and Coastal for Black History Night. We're live at 6.30 with a Cutwater Spirits countdown to tip-off. Friday at 7 p.m. it's Appalachian State for Senior Night with a 6.30 airtime for the final game of the 2023 regular season. Georgia Southern Baseball with three this weekend at home against East Tennessee State. 4 p.m. on Friday over at J.I. Clement Stadium. That will be an internet-only broadcast. You can listen to Terry Harvin on gseagles.com and the Varsity Network app. Saturday and Sunday we'll be on full network. Saturday with a two o'clock start will be live at 1 30, and then Sunday at 1 p.m. we'll have the broadcast beginning at 12 30 from J.I. Clemens Stadium. We'll see you J.I. Clements and Hanner House this week. I'm Danny Reed and you've been listening to Inside Eagle Nation.
0: You've been listening to Inside Eagle Nation powered by Learfield, the official podcast of Georgia Southern Athletics.